You're listening to Blind Entrepreneurship, an interview series podcast that highlights the stories of the top business professionals around the world. In each episode, we explore how entrepreneurs overcame blindness in business in order to execute their vision. the selling formula. Brian Robinson has worked in sales and marketing with some of the best known companies in the world, including Coca-Cola USA and Johnson & Johnson. Upon leaving his corporate career, he helped launch a successful startup where he was the first person in history to sell more than $1 million in business in 12 months entirely by phone. He is the author of the new book, The Selling Formula, Five Steps for Instant Sales Improvement. I wanted to interview Brian today because he's an expert at sales. Anytime you can have a conversation with somebody about sales, you know it's going to lead to some great conversation. And what I admire most about Brian is his dedication to his craft and overall commitment to his community. He's had over 20 years of sales experience and wrote an entire book about explaining his battle wounds and, how, and, and all the battle wounds that he's endured over his illustrious career. Some of the highlights of this episode are when we talk about why he decided to write the book in the first place, uh, and also how he crafted the book. The way he crafted the book is basically that you can open up the, the book to any chapter and learn something new that you can directly apply to the meeting that you're either about to have or your next sales call, which I think is extremely powerful uh, when writing a book. The next is about his pre-call checklist. So right before he gets on a call, he has this pre-call checklist that he uses either mentally or even writing it down. And I think it's just uh, extremely powerful about the detail that he goes into. Um, a couple of other things are the importance of anchoring and the power of guarantee. This is discussed in the later half of the episode. So if you want to kind of just like go halfway to about the 15-minute mark, um, it's somewhere within that region. Um, and also again, going into his bio, how he was able to get a million dollars in one year through the phone. And lastly, we even dabble into a conversation about how he helps at-risk youth at his church. Today's episode is sponsored by Penji. Are you in charge of marketing for your business and need graphic design support? Let Penji design anything you need for your business, from a logo to your marketing materials, sales sheets, social media content, and so much more. Penji helps you achieve more with unlimited graphic design support, daily output, and a dedicated project manager, all at one flat monthly rate. We have an exclusive offer to the Blind Entrepreneur community. Head over to penji.co and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month. Again, that's penji.co, P-E-N-J-I dot C-O, and use the coupon code BLIND for 15% off your first month of Penji. And now... Let's get to today's episode. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jonathan. Pleasure to be here. Uh, pleasure's all mine. So before we get into the episode, we have to lay the foundation to let everybody know why you're a qualified expert to talk about the selling formula. I have so many battle wounds that... Uh, that's how I qualify. I've got 20 plus years of experience in corporate sales with Coca-Cola, USA, Johnson & Johnson, four divisions with them, and then 
um, started uh, a company with a friend of mine about 18 years ago. And that was an entrepreneurial venture that succeeded. Mm-hmm. And so I've got uh, a lot of experience in that realm of selling. So how many times have these battle wounds been uh, reopened, so to speak? Because I'm sure with uh, the experience that you have, there's a lot of salt that had to have been cleaned out and reopened and packaged (laughs) back up again. A lot. Uh, I've had so many wounds reopened, but that's what actually kept me uh, learning. I got so tired of the same wounds that I finally had to ask myself, what can I do to overcome this consistently and not keep tripping up on the same issues? And basically the the selling formula is a codification of the five key steps that have come out of all those battle wounds. And what I find interesting is that you were, I guess, um, adventurous enough where you took those scars, so to speak, those wounds, and then you wrote a book about it. So can you tell us a little bit about the book? Can you tell us a little bit about what is your definition of the selling formula without giving all the secrets away? Because let's face it, people have to buy the book as well. Right. (laughs) So um, I'm happy to give the five key components. Uh, The subtitle is Five Steps for Instant Sales Improvement. And the first is to connect with your prospect and set the agenda. And the next is to do a a solid interview. And the key is the questions that you ask. Third is to present your solution. And there's a very specific approach that I recommend to that. Fourth is to present your pricing and guarantees. And again, very specific approach because of the battle wounds I've had. And finally, your uh, closing. Hmm. So, I mean, with over 20 years of experience, can you, can you go over uh, just a little bit in, in more detail about what some of these steps mean? Because a lot of people I know that are listening right now, they are having issues with sales. Every business has issues with sales. It, it's, there's, no, there's not one business on the planet that isn't trying to find more sales. So can you just give us right. your, your swag a little bit? Like what is your secret to a, a great sales funnel uh, and formula for either startups, businesses, or even large corporations? Mm-hmm. You know, I found that the key that everything pivots on in sales is the way you create your questions before you talk to your prospect. I'm convinced, and I say this in the book, that that questions are the key to life. Mm -hmm. And if you can drill down and take the time to write and think through the questions you wanna ask your prospect, not just surface questions, that's easy, but going one, two, three, four layers deep to get down to the heart issue behind the need of the prospect, what you'll discover is many people don't ask those kinds of questions. And as a direct result, they are going to connect with you at a deeper level and be more willing to trust you and be open to your solution. I I think that to that approach, I think that takes personally, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that takes a different type of person 
to be able to do that type of research because you have to fully encompass yourself in that person's shoes. Would mm-hmm. you agree to that? Or would you have anything you want to add on to, to, to what I just said? I think you really, to your point, you have to empathize deeply and you have to be very connected from that perspective. What I'm referring to, let me give you an example. Um, when I was with Johnson and Johnson, we would have uh, the division I was in called Ethicon Endosurgery, and we trained surgeons on advanced laparoscopic procedures. And so we had a product come out that was a direct, uh, a direct product that went against our key competitor that was owning this particular space. It was for hernia repair. And I knew our product was clinically superior, and I was getting very frustrated with the response I was getting from the surgeons. So I decided to sit down and do whatever it took to come up with the questions that would not make the surgeon feel threatened, but would make them feel interested and engaged in understanding more clearly what the clinical advantages were to that product. As a direct result, my evaluation doubled within 30 days. And as a result, my sales doubled. What was the difference? It was really taking the time thinking through what questions do I need to ask relative to the features that are better than our competitors? And how do I ask those in a way that isn't offensive, particularly to surgeons? Mm, that's interesting. And so the type of research that you did, Kim, because I'm a huge fan of research. I'm a huge fan of just getting to know the other person because that's who you're trying to sell. And so how did you come up with these, these questions? Uh, how did you, I mean, besides the basic elementary type of research, like what, what did, what were some of some techniques that you may have used? A technique I use is I recommend you take a, make a spreadsheet or take a piece of paper and write out three columns, features, benefits, then questions. So as you elicit your features, there's generally multiple benefits per feature. So you write those down. And then there's generally multiple questions per benefit. And then what you do is look at it after you be as exhaustive as possible in writing features, benefits, questions, then you 80-20 it. What are the 20% questions, the top key questions you can ask that will quickly get to the main issue that you're dealing with that could make your sale easier compared to your competitors? Does that make sense? No, it makes complete sense. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like you have to have a really good understanding of your, of your company in order to figure out what that solution is. Now, do you think that this applies? I mean, you were selling um, things that were probably created, tested, approved, et cetera. Do you think that the same approach that you're using applies to say small business, uh, like smaller businesses that um, may not necessarily know or have everything figured out just yet, like a startup, so to speak? Absolutely. Um, And I can speak to that because of the startup that I was involved in. And uh, specifically, we were selling messages on hold for the phone system. Hmm. That's pretty sexy, isn't it? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So there's a lot of competitors in that space. And what we discovered is that Again, the questions you ask will directly determine the results you get. And so we had to look at how does our competitor stack up? How do they approach this market space? How do they sell their product? And how can we maneuver ourselves into a position that's different and that provides greater value 
And so we crafted questions that did that, and it worked beautifully to own more business and actually take it from competitors as well. I'm sure that when you were creating your list of questions, you had to have some type of overlap to some degree. Was there ever like that silver bullet question where you knew that, that whatever it was, when you asked that question, it hit them hard? Thinking. It's pretty much a question you can ask anybody. Um, if I could provide a product or service that you felt was superior to what you have now, would you be open to chatting about it? Mm. And that's more of an intro kind of a question. And then I don't want to get too much into the weeds with respect to the product or service, but that's a, a nice intro question to ask somebody. It, is it a world-changing question? Not necessarily, but I think it's a good starter question to open the door for some dialogue. If you're asking it in a way that isn't salesy, that's yeah. really sincere. Yeah. And, and I definitely can tell just by talking to you even before and now that there is a sincerity to your voice. And I think that could be the approach is regardless of the question, if you genuinely care about benefiting the other person and helping them out, they're naturally going to gravitate to listening. Whereas if you go in mm. selling and you're kind of desperate, you're more likely to get a no. Would you, would you say that's somewhat accurate? Totally accurate. And that speaks to something that I mentioned in the book is your pre-call mindset. It's critical that you take some time to think about your prospect and actually the word I use is become fascinated with them mm. because it's all about them. It's really not at all about you as the salesperson or lead person for your company. And if you can have the mindset that you want to get to know the, that individual and you want to walk in liking them before you ever meet them. So you have a mindset that you like and you care about them and that you're fascinated with them, which takes all the pressure off you because it's really all about them anyway. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense too? Oh, yeah. it, makes, it makes absolute sense. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there are times a lot of people tend to be a little selfish in the way they ask questions um, because they just want to be able to get to what they want versus you're trying to sell a product. It's not about you. It's more about them. Exactly. Now, exactly. Now, in your career, in the beginning of your career, um, you've, you've sold a million dollars in business by the phone in one year. Now, to the people that are listening, that is insanely difficult to do, regardless of the product. So while you're, you know, you, you, you mentioned your pre-call. I'd love to hear mm -hmm. just how you were able to sell that type of dollar amount by phone. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the key for me, just a quick backstory to give you a little understanding about how this came about selling over the phone. Uh, we have eight children. And at the time, my wife was pregnant with our final two kids, which happened to be twins. 
and Lucky I had to get you. off the road. <laughs> yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, I only have I have small issues. <laughs> so um, the I had to get off the road. I had to figure out a way to to do what I was doing in person and do it over the phone. And so what that required is that I become very focused in how I was approaching my prospect by setting an agenda over the phone, letting them know where we're going. I didn't have to do a whole lot of chit chat at the front end to build rapport. And what was interesting is the prospects really appreciated the fact that it was very focused. They knew where I was going. I asked very specific questions. And what happened was I had commentary fairly consistently that, you know, you really understand our business. You know, I really appreciate how focused you are. Hmm. And I appreciate the fact that you're educating us as well, which is another key is becoming a teacher in your space. And that sets you apart also from your competitors. And so I had to hone this approach so that I could be very effective. And my closing ratio was quite high as a direct result of that. Now, did I stumble? Oh, a big time when I started doing this, I just had to figure it out. But as I committed to the process, I began to listen to recordings of myself, which is, it's a scary thing because uh, we're stuck inside our bottle and we can't read the writing on the label. So a great way to get out of the bottle is just record yourself mm -hmm. and listen to yourself kind of as a third party. And it's, it's amazing what you pick up. And uh, that's kind of what helped me pull things together so I could actually do it by phone. And I was, I really didn't have any other option. I had to do it. Mm -hmm. So when you kind of in a half to do it space, uh, you kind of figure things out. Yeah. And, and you also, um, I was reading that that you per week you made about 1500 miles you spent 1500 miles or drove 1500 miles per week in order to either go to work prospect whatever it may be now 1500 miles per week is a lot of miles it's a lot of miles 1500 so are some yeah. there's some things that you've learned while just like being on the road and just being focused and just narrowed in yeah. Um, so this was before I started doing things by phone, of course, but that was consistently what I was doing. Um, I actually discovered, uh, I, I used the time that I was in the vehicle to learn. So mm -hmm. I, I made a commitment to not listen to the radio or listen to anything else but material that would help me grow in sales and marketing. And as a result of that, I learned something from a CD series back years ago by Joe Polish called Piranha Marketing hmm. that changed everything for me and was the actual catalyst to get me off the road. Hmm. I remember listening to this idea of free recorded messages. It's an old idea now, but at the time, drive somebody to an 800 number, listen to a free recorded message about your product or service, and they leave their name and phone number, and you call them back. And it literally got me off the road. That's amazing. That's amazing. And yeah. it, that's really cool. I, I, I'll go, I, I am actually in the process of talking to Joe and bringing him on the show. Um, that, would be, that would be cool to show him this highlight a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, you also in, in the book, you mentioned about the 15 
common selling challenges. Mm-hmm. I know you've, you've gone through a lot uh, today, but I'd love to just be able to say like highlight some of maybe not all 15, but a few of the 15 that we can just think about and say like, yeah, this is a challenge. We need to come up, we need to overcome this and maybe even how we can, we can master the artistry of selling. Sure. Uh, in fact, I, I opened one up here. I'm going to read it directly from the book. It's an email that I recommend when somebody is not responding to you. And I'm sure that doesn't happen to anybody in your audience. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, you know, you've got somebody you've, you've left emails for, you left voicemails for, they're still not responding. It's been 30 days, 45 days. And here's an email that I crafted and literally every time I've used this, 80% of the time I get a response and sometimes within minutes. And this is people that have not, not responded in, in weeks. So here it is. The subject line is the first name of your prospect. And it, it says, is it dead or alive? Mm. Dear prospect. I've attempted to connect with you via phone and email and unfortunately haven't received any response. So I'm just curious, is it dead or alive? Thanks for letting me know one way or another if you'd like me to make any further contact or or if I should go ahead and close your file. Either way, I look forward to the courtesy of your reply. Best regards. So what I've discovered is, first of all, dead or alive is pretty engaging as a subject line. And I found that when you put forth the idea that you're going to close somebody's file, that's a fear of loss. Mm. And what that does is it motivates somebody to take some kind of action, respond to you is what you're hoping for. And um, that seems to work well. It's time to pull something off the table. And, you know, it's a very honest question. Um, there was a friend of mine that was in the insurance industry and he was in that space where people just weren't responding. So he started calling these people with the whole idea he was going to quit the insurance industry. So he literally called people and said, Hey, uh, I just want to make sure you're not going to buy my policy. (laughs) And as he was right, as he was crossing people off the list, some people started to say, no, I want to buy the policy. And he started closing deals. And what happened was he wound up hitting his number for the month and eventually became the number one insurance agent with that group in the entire country. But his whole intention was to quit the business. What's what's beautiful is he wound up basically getting everybody off his hope list. And we all have a hope list. And quit playing the game of, gosh, I've got all these people on a hope list. There's going to be opportunity here. When the reality is you need to find out by simply asking. Move on. That's great. That is amazing advice. Um, what I find even more interesting is, actually, you know what? Uh, I won't go down that road yet. I'll, I'll, I'll save that question to a little bit later. You talk about anchoring yeah. in the book. Can you tell me what anchoring is exactly? It's a um, psychological term that you use with respect to um, the first thing you say to somebody is generally the anchor in their mind. So that's in the context of pricing. 
So I recommend that there that you use three price points, if at all possible, with your product or service. And what you do is you start with the highest price when you quote pricing and end with the lowest. And so what happens is if you give somebody an anchor that's a high price, everything else is going to feel better after that. Mm. And so what most people tend to do, and there's another psychology here with three prices, but the bottom line is if you give somebody a high and a low anchor, they'll generally go to the middle. Mm -hmm. And that's most of our clients will choose the middle option because of that psychological approach. That's amazing. That is great. That is really powerful. Um, I, I can say the people that are listening are a lot of them are startups. However, with that being the case, I think that is extremely mm. strong when you're on the phone with people or when you're uh, you coordinating your website to have those three price points. Another thing that you said was the power of guarantee. Mm. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the, what the power of guarantee means. Sure. I think if you need to have a guarantee or multiple guarantees, it, it totally reverses the risk from the client back to yourself, which is what you want to do. You want to make this as simple as possible for someone to say yes to. So an example, when I started uh, this company that I'm in, we did a 30-day money-back guarantee. So we had some cancellations. A handful would, would occur. Then I thought, you know, I'm going to try a 90-day money-back guarantee. And the cancellations dropped in half. Mm. Then I thought, I wonder if we could just really send this thing out there as far as a guarantee that's, that nobody else is doing. So what we did is a 90-day money-back guarantee and a right to cancel our service anytime in the first year with a prorated refund. And our, our refunds went to zero virtually. And the only reason somebody would actually ask for a refund at that point was if they got acquired by another institution, et cetera. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's, and let me give you a, a real a live story. Um, I was consulting in the banking industry several years ago, and there was a company selling software for loan processing. And what it did is it took days of effort and it would reduce it down to about an hour. And I asked the question, is anybody else in your space offering a guarantee that you can have your information within 45 minutes or less pulled up on your screen and ready to give to an examiner that comes into your bank? And they said, no, nobody's offering it, but everybody could offer it. They weren't the only ones in that space. So we actually wound up creating four guarantees and there were actual dollar amounts associated with non-performance. For example, if they couldn't provide the information the client needed on their software pulled up on a screen within 45 minutes, they'd pay them $5,000. Well, it was going to happen. And there were others. So what I had them do is lead with the four guarantees right when they sat down with the prospect. Say, you know what? This is a little unusual, but we want you to know our guarantees right up front. And they spoke to the key pain points of their prospects. And literally, once they gave the guarantees, the attention they had from their prospect was phenomenal. And they doubled their sales. And it was simply because they understood the pain points and they had a guarantee against it that completely reversed the risk off of their prospect. That's interesting. That is really interesting. 
I have to at least ask this question because it, it was intriguing to me. Because when I read a book, I usually read at the chapter level and I go, okay, well, what does this chapter talk about and what does this do and what, how is this going to make me better? Your approach to, uh, to writing, and I think you were quoted here saying something along the lines of, I've always wanted to open a book, go to a chapter and find a point that was uh, without really going too far into the book. And from what I see, that's the kind of book that this does. You kind of can flip through, you can read the whole thing, you obviously get benefits, but you can kind of go through the chapters, find that one thing, read it, digest it, and then move on. What made you want to make a book like that? I, with all the the content I've read over the years with respect to selling and marketing, the frustrating aspect of it was I want to be able to open something up. I want to find one idea that I can apply right now. I have, I have an issue. I want to fix it. And so that's, I really took a pragmatic and practical approach to this book using everything I've learned as slimmed down as possible. So my goal was to really kind of make this a field guide that you could throw in your car or your briefcase and say you're struggling with closing, open up the closing chapter, look at this one sentence and go, okay, I'm going to try that right now when I walk into this prospect's business. Mm. And that's the kind of stuff that is so practical and helpful to me. So I felt like I should be able to try to do that with the book. Yeah, and I think that's the that's a, an amazing way. It's a helpful way uh, to to write a book, and we appreciate you doing that. I do have just a couple more questions because it's something that I'm intrigued in about your story. And uh, I think in 2004 you founded the company that you're currently um, working on, and you said something along the lines of you founded a company about finding your purpose or finding their purpose. So I would like to know a little bit more about you. What would you say is your purpose after all these years of consulting, selling, et cetera? What is, what is your purpose? What is Brian's purpose? Great question. Um, really, my purpose to, is to inspire people to walk out their purpose. Really. Uh, my passion is I, I've got a, a kind of a strategic mindset. So when I sit down with somebody, and I look at kind of the scope of their life, I tend to focus on the one thing, the, uh, you know, there's a saying, big doors turn on small hinges. And so I'm trying to find those small hinges that will cause somebody's purpose, as it were, to open up for. And um, that's always been this, this passion of mine, is to figure that out and help people figure that out. And, and I think that's great. And it's a perfect segue to my final question. And after just doing some research about you and your story, I found out that you're also a tutor at your church. And so not in addition to you doing all these amazing things for selling, giving, now you're, you're giving back and being a tutor. I mean, what, what made you want to not only help business professionals, but also help I don't know the exact demographic of the people that you tutor, but uh, I'm assuming they're going to be relatively young. You know, what, what made you want to do something like that? Yeah, the, the program's called WizKids. It's an after-school program for at-risk youth. And uh, the, the person I'm tutoring is a four-year-old, a fourth grader. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, 
what get I get that four year old to sell, yeah. man. Get on the <laughs> that's right. Start knocking He's on doors. Doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Child labor laws, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think what motivated me to do that is I've been so blessed in my life. I've been given a lot. And I, I recognized that if I can have an impact on somebody who's at risk and be somebody who's consistently there, because there's a lot of inconsistent relationships for a lot of youth in these types of programs, then it could literally change their life. It's a reading program. So we spend time with them, we read with them. And um, this is my second year. And I just had an experience literally last week where um, he was picked up a little early by his mother and he threw his arms around my neck and said goodbye. And now that, that was a first. So there's there's a lot of uh, relationship build that's happening here and it's exciting to see him growing and getting better but your question was what motivated me i again i just felt like it was the appropriate thing to do and i'm passionate about trying to help somebody young fulfill their purpose very great well i i can almost i can almost guarantee that the people that listen today have definitely received a ton of value and i hope that everybody that was listening is able to apply the things that Brian was able to uh, discuss with us today. Uh, I'd like to just say thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell everybody a little bit more about how they can find you, uh, be a part of your journey, buy your book? Sure. Uh, BrianRobinson.me. And I've got a, actually what I'd like to do with your permission, Jonathan, is uh, create a separate landing page for this podcast, brianrobinson.me forward slash TBE. And what I've got is a slimmed down, abridged version of my audio book that's selling on Audible right now. Uh, it's seven chapters. It's the entire five steps. I'm holding nothing back, unedited. And then I've got a 14-day course that if somebody opts in for the book, they'll get a 14, day, uh, 14 days of tips from the book. Very cool. Well, that's awesome. I hope that everybody that is listening is going to be able to go check that out. And if you do want to be a part of that, uh, all you have to do is just go into the show notes and all the links will be right there. All right, listeners. So we're going to end with this. I am sending a worldwide challenge to those that are listening. This week, I'd like you to go out of your comfort zone and do something you know you need to do, but have been making excuses as to why you haven't done yet. And when you do that one thing, Go ahead on Twitter, go ahead on Instagram or whatever platform that you use and tweet me at J, or head over to tbeshow.com and drop a comment on this week's episode. You've been listening to Blind Entrepreneurship brought to you by Penji. Our guest this week was Brian Robinson. Overall, an amazing interview, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. A ton of raw answers about one of the most common problems that we all have in our business, which is sales. And I hope you guys learned it as much as I did. I love the part in particular when Brian was discussing anchoring. Anchoring was something that I was aware of. I didn't know that this was the actual terminology. But starting with something at the the highest price point at the top uh, and starting that with your conversation and making your way down in order to find out what your customer needs incredible advice the next was the power of guarantee and then lastly brian's commitment to learning during his 1500 mile hike to work every single week 
Again, you can find more about Brian at brianrobinson.me, and you can buy his book, The Selling Formula, Five Steps for Instant Sales Improvement, directly on Amazon. You can find more about me all over the internet at J. that's G-R-Z-Y-B-O-W-S-K-I-J, on all social media platforms. And if you're interested in finding out what Penji is and how we can help your business, and if you need an on-demand graphic design support for your business, head over to penji.co, that's P-E-N-J-I.co for more information. The podcast website is tbeshow.com, and you can find us on all major podcasting networks like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and so much more. And lastly, if you enjoy this episode, I would love for you, and it would mean the absolute world, to share this interview with all of your friends on social media. To everybody that's still listening, go out there and execute your vision. Have a great rest of your day.